Hi, I'm Bob Ramsey, Toronto writer and commentator. Twice a week, I offer my take on the world, from craven politics and unchecked ambition to secret sauces, bitter loss, and fist-pumping redemption. They're stories to live by. Quirky, high-style, tear-jerking, funny ha-ha, sometimes funny peculiar. My tales don't walk down the sidewalk and browse in the windows. They sneak into alleyways and come out onto different worlds. Alex Brown narrates each mini-podcast to bring to your ears what you see with your eyes in my twice-a-week blogs. And now, today's episode of Ramsey Writes. Newspapers, not old papers. Written by Bob Ramsey. Donald Trump repeatedly called it the failing New York Times. It sort of was until Trump took office. Then it went on a tear, fueled by an endless supply of Trump-induced stories, and today the Times' stock price, circulation, and reputation are close to all-time highs. In fact, the fastest-growing international market for NewYorkTimes.com is Toronto. One benefit of worshipping quality and hoping your customers do, and then finding out they do, is that you can invest in more quality. The Times did this in its graphics. Its stories aren't just words and nice photos with the odd graph or chart to ease understanding. They now have 3D interactive maps, videos, and instant links to other stories. Their stories are multimedia productions like this on the volcanic lighthouse of the Mediterranean, or how vaccinations are going in your postal code, or how George Floyd was killed in custody. Maybe the shift in our work and life from in-person to online has sped up something that was happening anyway, like telemedicine, streaming, online shopping, virtual concerts, weddings and funerals. Whatever the cause, the effect is spectacular and has changed how we read and react to journalism. Even better, this won't go away once our lives get back to new normal. Here are three examples of what I mean. These are not little squibs of reportage. They're deep wells of information, all drowning another myth that long-form journalism is dead. Like radio morphing into podcasts, it just shed its old skin and grew some new layers. The first is a piece in the Columbia Journalism Review on how social media has changed the meaning of journalism and of journalists. Note, first, that it's 8,500 words long. But what's different here is not just the main well of words that pour down the middle of the piece, but what's on the shoulders and the off-ramps. The central narrative is about Philip DeFranco, who hosts an eponymous daily news show on YouTube. That show has more than 7 million subscribers, 1.7 million more than a recent week's viewership of the CBS Evening News, and 4.5 million more than the February primetime audience for Fox News. The piece calls DeFranco the Walter Cronkite of the YouTube generation. But in the side margins are profiles and links to nine other influencers who post videos under the banner of news, legitimate and not. When this first piece by Claire Malone ends, it's followed by an animated comic strip titled Who Needs a Press Pass? The Origins of an Exclusionary Object. 
You can stop reading after four panels, or you can click and get the whole sordid, sad, but comic booky story about how press passes are authorized by the very people the press is likely to report bad things about, like the police. Or you can just keep going with the main story, which is now a second story called Off Label by Emily Bell on how tech platforms decide what counts as journalism. This is followed by a third piece, As I See It, Atlanta's Canopy Project by Fevin Merid, which doesn't scroll vertically up and down, but horizontally, side to side. It's a photo essay on how six Atlantans use an ancient technique to become new kinds of journalists. By the time I was done all this, I was done. But the whole mishmash show held true to the first rule of journalism. Keep me engaged until the end. It did that in ways that reading a magazine or a newspaper made out of paper could never do, and that many online media are only now starting to do. Then I spotted an article in Politico, the online Bible of American politics. It was a story about hunting down and killing Osama bin Laden. Last week marked the 10th anniversary of his death. Now we all know this story and certainly how it ends. So I wasn't looking for much when I started to skim it. Then, damn, there I was, hooked again, this time by an old technique done in a new way. The author, Garrett M. Graff, interviewed everyone in the White House Situation Room in that famous photo of Obama and his advisors watching the raid in real time. Graf then took these hundreds of hours of oral history and strung them together in a breathtaking narrative, moving in and out as the different players tell what they knew and thought, when they knew and thought it. The piece is 19,000 words long. It reads like a novel, or rather, a TV series. It simply has to become a podcast series. It's that gripping. So, if you've drifted away from long stories told on old media, come back. All is forgiven. There are brave new worlds they're charting, and none so much as The Guardian, which this month marks its 200th anniversary of publication, and last month won an Academy Award in the Best Short Documentary category for Colette. Since when do newspapers win Oscars? Take a look at how The Guardian is celebrating two centuries of holding our attention fast. Today's Ramsey Writes was read by Alex Brown. For more information on Bob Ramsey, his work, and all the other things he does besides writing, go to ramseyinc.com. That's R-A-M-S-A-Y-I-N-C dot com. <laughs>